my name is Chris Denson. In case you're tuning in for the first time ever, uh, I feel bad for you. Uh, you have a lot of catching up to do. Uh, however, if you have listened before, you probably know that this show covers all things innovation, marketing, ideas, and the smart people making those things happen. Um, and today, uh, I have Mr. Adidas himself, uh, John Werner. You want to say hello, John? Hey, hey, Chris. Hey. <laughs> Um, I normally don't do this, but I am going to read something. Sure. Um, John works at the intersection of digital and sport to identify opportunities for innovation to connect with external partners to develop new technologies and to bridge the gap from emerging tech into simple, meaningful consumer benefits and experiences. That's a lot of words. I know. I have no idea what I just said. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you read and then you, you know, actually process what you're... Yeah. This is one of the things I do with my daughter. Like, what did you just read? Uh, like explain it to me and you should just verbatim however uh, I would love for you to kind of explain what that means in terms of your current day to day life sure so uh, I appreciate the question it's to put it more simply because they kind of give you hey can you fill in a 60 word bio right. uh, when I could actually do it in just a few words I, I basically look at the intersection of technology and sport Okay. Uh, anything that has to do with uh, new advances in tech uh, that technology could be electronic, you know, digital. It could be uh, a fabric material. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, shoe technology, things that actually go into the uh, midsole or the sole of the shoe, uh, uh, even in the outside, out, outsole of the shoe. I'm always looking for new ways uh, to, to make the athlete better right. uh, and to you know, affect uh, a culture of innovation within our company, which I think we have a really, you know, a really good culture of. Um, when you say athlete, do you what, like? Where is the line between? Mm. I think I'm an athlete, yeah. and I'm actually Kobe Bryant. Yes, <laughs> so there's, there's aspiring athletes, right? So it's 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 that is a fine line. But uh, our our consumers um, like the fact that we spend as much time and energy uh, perfecting our products uh, for an elite athlete. So meaning. You know how how fast you can cut on the on the basketball court. You know how how well you can uh, re- keep traction when you're on the soccer pitch. Uh, things that really matter a lot to elite athletes translate quite well down into the consumer space, yeah. into aspiring athletes, those that want to be like Kobe, want to be like Messi, want to be like their favorite star. Uh, you know we if if we if our baseline was trying to go after them specifically with our technology, we'd probably miss the mark. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's, it, I mean, if you don't aim high, <laughs> you right. don't start with the best, like then it's hard to mimic it. Right? That's exactly right. Um, so give us some examples. I, like, I, you know, when I, when I read up on you, I didn't realize that it also goes into materials and some of the other sort of mm-hmm. areas of innovation. You know, I think about like more wearables i think naturally i think most sure. people when you say sport and tech i was like oh it's wearables but um but give us some examples of stuff that's not like sort of sensory based and i do want to get into the sensory based kind of stuff too okay well. yeah i'll give an ex- a great example uh, uh the uh, the innovation team came up with uh, what we call a digital soccer ball and that digital soccer ball has uh, suspended in the middle of the pit of the ball uh electronics that have accelerometer technology uh, Bluetooth, uh, conductive wire, you know, co- conductive wireless charging, uh, basically an, enough sensors and tech inside the ball to know when you actually kick the ball from a standstill, what the RPM is on the ball, how fast the ball goes, what the arc, what does it look like, the trajectory of the ball, 
where your foot uh, actually hit the ball and giving a heat map of all the places you hit the ball and then gives you instructions about where you place your other your other foot when you're about to kick the ball right. so it kind of walks you all through this it, it pairs up with a Does with a mobile phone uh, it doesn't. It, no, it doesn't. But you, your uh, your friends can. I mean, it's uh, you know you can challenge each other and. Right. Uh, but basically, it's trying to get them to kick like, you know, like a Messi, like their star. Uh, it'll give examples here. Try to do this, and then you'll see your trajectory matched against the trajectory of a pro. So seeing that, right? Okay. So like, I'm out in the field, I'm, I'm, uh, and I've seen this thing at CES. It won yeah. one of the best innovation. Awards, That's right. Yeah. I did. Um, see, uh, I studied up a little bit. But no, like I'm, I'm on a field, I go and kick this ball. When do I get like? When do I get the data and the feedback? Like, does that happen on a mobile device? Does yes. that happen like? Do I go to YouTube and put up my video next to? No, it happens. Imme- it happens immediately. I mean, uh, meaning when you kick the ball, and if you have the phone with you, right, uh, the ball will leave your your area of connected connectedness right yeah. so when the ball comes back within the range to communicate with your phone it then starts downloading all the information about that previous kick and then it builds graphs and charts and shows you everything you're supposed to do it tells you you know if, if you were trying to hit the ball within a certain five mile per hour window it, it'll mark exactly where in that in that speed spectrum you you made it right. and so the smaller that window is the more you learn how to control your kick so it's not always about wanting to kick the ball as, as hard as you can. Right. That's what a lot of kids do. They want to go out and just kick the ball as fast as they can, and that, they call it a day. This actually helps you learn control. And so it gets into a lot of different facets of the game. It's about finesse, right? It's like, totally about finesse. Now have you guys quantified, like, you know, hey, we can, you know, we can work on you on 116 different data points. Like, is there any sort of math or, like, you know, a quantifiable list of things that the thing does? Or, or is it just more like... You've grouped it all together. and, and, and We're kind of doing, yeah, we're, we call it business intelligence. We kind of look at the data, all the different data points that are collected by the ball, and then we, we apply rules. And so from a consumer-facing point of view, they don't need to see necessarily all the raw data that's right. being collected because there's a lot there. Uh, all they see is the, the actual results of what you've done. Um, does that mean that in the future we might not let that raw data out to third parties? Uh, to allow them to hack and, and do and have fun yeah. with that data. Sure, I think it's a great idea to do something like that. Right. Uh, and we're opening up a lot of our devices to do that. We just haven't gotten to the ball yet. Um, what, is there a next area of sport that you're going to tackle outside of soccer? I mean, soccer is huge, obviously. And these balls retail for, what, a couple hundred bucks? I think? Yeah, one nine, yeah. Yeah, one nine, mm-hmm. nine. Man, I'm good. Yeah. Um, no, but a couple, a couple hundred bucks, you can do this at home. And yeah. um, but it, So is there a next arena? Is baseball the next thing? Is basketball? Or you're kind of satisfied with soccer at this point? Well, no, we're not. I mean, it's not a matter of satisfaction. I mean, I think there's other, other sport we can apply uh, what we've learned with soccer, too. Uh, obviously, basketball makes sense because it's an inflatable ball. It's similar like a soccer ball. Um, when you get into other types of balls, it's, it requires different types of electronics and capabilities. I mean, right. uh, a, a baseball is hard on the inside. It doesn't have a suspended capability. Uh, a football is inflatable. It's a different shape. Right. So there's different things that go on with that. Uh, and we don't necessarily go in and, and just add technology just for technology's sake. So we really right. have to understand um, if we add these capabilities, is it going to make a quarterback better by knowing their RPM? I mean, it makes a big difference for a soccer player because if you're trying to kick it around penalty, you know, people that are standing in front of the goal right. on a penalty kick, you need, to, you need to be able to bend the ball. So it makes a lot of sense to know the RPM and the speed and, and the distance and everything so that you can effectively be a better player. Now, from a, from a quarterback perspective, I've seen some of the – I've seen – I think it was a Drew Brees study uh, where they were showing RPMs and, and speed and whatnot, and it, 
the only thing the RPMs really did uh, uh, was help uh, identify how fast, uh, how far it would go in the air. Right. And, and if you can, you can actually get that. You can measure that fairly quickly. Sure. <laughs> so that's not a hard thing. But there might be some hidden things in there that we don't know about. Yeah. And so we'll probably play around. It's interesting you say that, you know, I've, like I've kind of been obsessing over design thinking, right? Mm, like, because yes. there's a lot of things we can do. Sure. <laughs> not in the, but, you know, a, a, large percentage of, a large percentage of it is probably not even necessary, depending mm. on, like, the two cases you just uh, gave. So, I mean, can you kind of dive into, like, what happens before you make the ball, right? Or yeah. what happens before you make the thing so that you guys are designing for... The, the best use case scenario. Sure. Yeah. So we've got uh, we've got an incredible team of uh, in the in, in the you know Adidas innovation team that uh, that has the luxury of not necessarily having to worry about day to day activities. Meaning uh, they don't have a deadline this Friday to have some project done. It's more like, hey, we've got some we've got two to three years, even sometimes longer, to ideate right. around different things, and and uh, we'll do offsites as a team. Uh, we'll bring in uh, cross matrix teams where we'll, we'll, you know, tackle somebody that might be in the specific business unit that we're interested in innovating around. So right. it might be the basketball BU or soccer BU or tennis, whatnot. Uh, pull them in to get their insights, and we kind of build like a cross functional team in some cases where we just kind of brainstorm and ideate, and and we look. Um, one of the one of my jobs is to always look at the at the technology roadmap. Uh, when are things getting small enough to be able to to do cool stuff. And right. so sometimes it comes out of the fact that, hey, there's this really cool stuff that was made for the medical field, but perhaps we can use it in the in the sports fitness field. Uh, let's try it out. Let's right. see what you can do. It's it's kind of like a it's a creator mentality. It's a maker you know, uh, mentality that's kind of been ingrained in our in our culture. And it's people explore are exploring our little projects all the time. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily are they what are they the ones that They've been tasked to do by their managers. They're just having fun. There might be a pro, you know, an, an ex-pro tennis player, uh, an ex-Olympic swimmer. I mean, mm-hmm. these are examples that you know they're on the teams and they like those sports. They're right. interested in trying to figure out how to make it better, and and so they'll go do their pet projects. And if they come back and there's something of value, we we dig in and go. But from a, like you know, I actually work on an innovation team, so I, I kind of get it. And the, and but I think within a within a uh, a corporation that puts out products is, is, is about sales and mm-hmm. there's bottom line to like virtually every other department in yeah. the company like where are you held accountable you know because you guys can play all day yeah. right and like yeah. oh, let's see if this you know this stethoscope works on the on the tennis ball um, but where does the company expect you to deliver something that's tangible and like and how does that relationship work with okay so this is pretty unique within our group we, we don't have that accountability we uh, we have the ability. Lucky. We have the ability to go out there, and, but we've had we have a great hit rate. So the innovation team has about a seventy percent hit rate. Wow, That's which huge. Is, well, the average is less than ten percent. Right. So we have like seventy percent hit rate of the of the projects that we go and undertake. Seventy percent make it into the market. So which is phenomenal, right? So uh, hats off to our 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 leadership yeah. team. It's just incredible how they are able to discern and figure out exactly the projects we're supposed to go do. I mean, I like that, you know, there's a kind of a, a theory that goes in, in a lot of these shows that when we, when we talk to people about gathering diverse perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. And when you say the, the swimming guy versus the golf guy versus, mm-hmm. you know, all these, or girl, um, and they come together or somebody's got a thought and you kind of, you're cross 
cross applying you know thinking and, mm-hmm. and methods. Is there any you know anything that comes to mind that's kind of like a crazy you know one of the craziest mashups you know, where you huh. totally didn't think something would like uh, match up with you know, one of the problems you were trying to solve for? Well, we've had because uh, okay, so we we have a formalized group that actually their job is to look two to three years out. It's actually changed names from the innovation team to Futures because we kind of went through the shift internally that said, you know what, everybody that works at, at Adidas is a, is an innovator, and so by just calling out a group that were you know the innovation team, it was kind of leaving out you know the the all the rest of the employees that have great ideas. Sure. And so we actually have a program that allows you to to put in your innovative ideas. Uh, you know, within a, uh, an intranet website, you can you can actually post things here. What if you could do this? And then those guys get vetted and get uh, awarded based on you know how how well that plays out from a, whoever's doing the judging. And and some of those are pretty crazy ideas. Right. Uh, it, it, they might not be tied to feasibility, you know, but that's okay. We right. don't want people to be thinking purely from the from the uh, you know putting up putting their ideas in a box because they know that the current advances in technology can only go this far right so to be able to tap into people within the company that have no box and can look outside that and just come up with these crazy wacky ideas and we might look at those and that and that quickly go to grid going that can never be done right but then sometimes we catch it and go oh wait a second you know maybe we were looking at it it couldn't be done the way we were thinking it could be done so this challenges us to think about, okay, let's go try to figure this out in a different way. Um, I mean, because we have an age-old problem with uh, when you run in a pair of shoes, how do you know when it's time to get another pair of shoes? I mean, consumers will look at... By the way, I've had the same Adidas running shoes for probably seven years. And are you still running in them? Really? Okay. Right. <laughs> I mean, but I do, right. like when I do go run, like I, I'm a swimmer. But yeah. when I do go run, like I, that, I just go back in the closet and grab this. Yeah. So if you're just if they're just like for kicks, okay. So there's a difference between running and trying to prevent yourself from twisting your ankle and, and, and you know injury prevention, right? And having a good feel for when you run. So we you know you try to minimize all the impacts in the in the you know the, the major you know the major joint areas of the body, the hip and the and the knees and the ankle and. And so, hey, yeah, that's right. That's why we that's why we spend a lot of energy on on this new technology called Boost. That's kind of replaced uh, the old technology, and, e- and 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 Boost technology actually provides an incredible energy return. However, uh, with previous versions of technology, you the outsole or the, when you look down at your feet, at your shoes on your feet, you would see, oh, that looks these still look clean. They still look fine. I don't see any cracks or right. where. But then, and then you might even look, you might even turn the shoe over and look at the tread and you go, oh, there's still some tread left on here. But the area between the tread uh, and your foot, there's this thing called the midsole. And the midsole is really where all the cushioning is. Well, that cushioning can start to compress based on how heavy you are, based on uh, the climate that you do all your activities in. You know, it could start, it could compress and, and it gets to a point where it won't bounce back. Uh, as much and over time it just stops bouncing back altogether and uh, what that'll do is that that can establish other types of injuries if you're not getting that same any any kind of bounce back or any kind of absorption so if we had the capability to tell the consumer hey uh know your know your shoe looks great and matter of fact you can you know you can retire it from running use it as your standard pair of kicks right uh but it's time to get another pair so if you're going to continue this serious running because we notice 
uh, maybe you're 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 a very avid runner, and we just want to make sure you you stay in, in shoes that are going to keep you from. So where does the, where does that solution come from, right? Is that just uh-huh. you know are you thinking about a wearable sort of sensor that goes in the shoe, or is it you know something that's tied to like your Runkeeper app that tells you about your mileage and your yeah? Well, totally. It could it could plug into those are all great examples. Um, and, and thank you. Are you guys hired? Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> But, but what if it was built into the shoe itself as a wearable, but it didn't require a battery. It was something as simple as, um, you know, much like you do on a tread of a tire. Right. You know, you measure the tread. Um, and there's some cool ways that we could do that. I'm, I can't go into this right now, but suffice it to say, we're looking at how to use pieces of the shoe to better tell you if the shoe can continue to be worn. I know it's kind of weird. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, if we ever come to market with this product, you'll understand what I'm saying, but it's, it's, it's things like that. Also trying to think about reuse it back to the, if we don't need to use technology to solve the, a problem, then let's go use the, let's go use this other way to do it. Right. And so we don't limit ourselves, even though we're in this world of digital and wearable and everything, if there's a simpler solution, we'll pick it. That's interesting. You know, it's you touched on something a, a minute ago, and even in this example, it's kind of like the, I call it sort of the how, not know. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like how can we use this? You, even if it's the wackiest, weirdest, maybe even dumbest idea on the whiteboard, you're like, how do we, you know, uh, leverage this thinking versus throw, do, doing away with it altogether? Um, but I was going to ask you also, just when you talk about like a two to three year dev cycle and looking out, you know, given today's pace of technology growth, um, if like, what happens in the two, like especially as far as, far as pivoting and mm-hmm. or a new thing comes out and you're like, oh, that's the thing that we were thinking about. Like, you know, how do you keep up? With the speed of, I won't say culture, but the speed of technology, and when you have a long development cycle like that, it's a big, it's a challenge. Uh, but but the type of stuff we look at, miniaturization, uh, different alloys, different you know, just different materials, you kind of have those things aren't growing in an unpredictable way. Okay, like like um, um, Moore's law just kind of keeps on dictating that things get smaller and smaller from an electronics perspective, and so we can gauge that in two years, the thing that we prototype today that can't fit in a shoe will fit in a shoe in two years, just based on the on the trends that we see. So we don't necessarily get stuck that way. What we get stuck with is uh, some of the companies and vendors that we work with. They might have a part. Uh, that we put in uh, uh, two years in advance, and by the time we go to market, that part is even though it's it's still working great, it's been obsoleted from the vendor, and they're no longer supporting it. That's more of the problems that we have, and so we kind of have to retrofit that part and and add something else in there. But typically, we we don't run into uh, as much of what you're uh, as much of what you're suggesting, and that's not to say that it doesn't happen, but. Uh, we try to find failure fast, right? Uh, so that we don't spend a lot of energy, you know, going down a bad path. So, um, so pre Adidas, yeah. right? um, tell us about Bones in Motion. Is that is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, the name's kind of funky, but it was it really worked for us because right. uh, you'll remember it. Uh, your audience will remember it probably now. Not that you remembered it when I did it, but you'll remember the name now. It'll be in the back of your mind. What in the world is that? Uh, we we started an early, you know, as a, as a fitness company uh, that took advantage of, at the time, 
there were no cell phones that had GPS in them. Believe it or not, there was a time when that happened. <laughs> and uh, these were feature phones uh, before the Apple Store, before everything uh, existed like that. There phones at home that were just plugged right into the wall. Oh, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> so, uh, but the, the, we're not talking about those. <laughs> we're too, talking, far, too far back. Chris. Too far back. So uh, these, you know, so we, we kind of had the idea, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't an avid runner, but I just started looking and seeing that, hey, you know what? People are driving in their car. They go for a run and they drive in the car with their odometer and they kind of keep track of their, their distance that way. Believe it or not, this is what what people did they actually drive the exact route they did in their car to, to get the distance bikes didn't have the problem they had speedometers and the ability to see all this stuff so but runners were kind of at a disadvantage um so we looked at mobile phones as a way to get that gps capability because we knew uh e911 was coming mm-hmm. so you had to have location for 911 calls um and we were hopeful that we would get the you know get accuracy out of that um uh the thing is we started very early uh and established a you know, applications that were, at the time, you had to build an application specifically for each feature phone. Meaning, it wasn't like I have one app that runs on all the different iPhones yeah. out there. It was every single model of every brand that we supported uh, had to have a special version of the of right. the app. Wow. And so, I think when I, when we last counted, we were over like seventy different apps that we were trying to support. Um, which is crazy, right? We had a small company, and uh, you know, keeping those revised when we had new features and capabilities, it was a huge, a huge thing. But uh, but we were early, and it it afforded us the ability to see the market, uh, to talk to people, and and actually, it's kind of funny because as as innovators, we really want to get feedback from consumers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know what the consumer wants. And, and they before they know what they want. And that's and I'll just give you this, this is a perfect example. We went to consumers and said, hey, run with this phone. And they said, why? Uh, uh, because it'll track your speed, distance, and pace. He said, I will never run with my phone. And the majority of the consumers that we interviewed said, we will never run with our phone. Right. I challenge you to find somebody not running with their phone today on, on Town Lake yeah. or anywhere you go. So in that case, we could have folded up shot and called it a day, saying, okay, consumers said they'll never run with their phone. Well, we, we didn't believe that. I mean, we really felt that there was going to be this time when, you know, it was going to become commonplace. Right. Uh, we were just too, we were way early. Uh, so that that ended up winning, uh, you know, some really cool awards and uh, best uh, location-based service app and uh, finally got picked up uh, by Adi in, in 09 and uh, became the basis of MyCoach, which is the, you know, oh, at least uh, the mobile side of things for MyCoach. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So now we, yeah, now the, the 14-year-olds who listen now know what. Yeah, uh, what, there you go, <laughs> MyCoach. Um, no, that's, uh, it's, it's funny. How do you know, like when to, even in that case, how do you know when to stick to your guns on mm. a theory, even yeah. cause you don't know when people will be ready. Even if you predict that they will, you don't know when. No. Um, so like when, when do you close up shop versus, uh, continue to develop and, and move forward on something? I mean, it's, it's, uh, is you know as you're an entrepreneur as well you, you there's a gut there's this gut feeling where um you make a call you have to if you feel strongly enough about something and and in the, in the case of bones emotion when you've when you basically sold everything you had to make that happen and, yeah. and racked up debt and whatnot there's a lot of pressure uh there's a lot of pressure that you've you've put on yourself to make sure you you better make sure this is the right thing that you're doing right so uh I think intuition, gut feeling, 
you know, kind of mix into that. But all in all, if you talk to any of the innovators out there that are that are making cool stuff, it's just they have a vision for something. They see they see what other people don't see, and they see convergence of technologies down the road where uh, they go to like a north star. And um, it's hard to explain, but um, that's why that's why you have to look two to three years out, or even further out. But actually, like to your point, the window of looking out is shrinking. Yeah, I mean, so the the ability to react faster is happening because consumers are becoming impatient when something hasn't been updated in a year now. It used to be two years you'd yeah. get a mobile phone. Then it was eighteen months. Now people are getting new phones every year. Yeah. Uh, and and so, not even with just technology. Like even today, like I'm a big fan of this uh, army guy named Miguel. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and this is morning. I was thinking like, I want another Miguel album. And then I looked back and I was like, oh, it just came like it just came out last year. Like it wasn't. <laughs> it hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't even been that long. Yeah. And they're like, you know, where an artist usually takes you know two to four years in between uh, projects, right? right? right. Um, but we live in this culture where people are just constantly. Putting out content, doing things, developing. Um, every time you turn around, there's a new startup, and then there's three, four of the startups lined up behind them. Um, and I guess along those lines, where do you go to source some of the technology? And like, how do you filter, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I think you go to any networking event in the tech space, and it's like, oh, there's 30 exciting things, and there's probably another 30 ones you are completely not interested in and which one is going to win in your favor uh, based on what your needs are. Or, or yeah, well, a lot of times when you go to a, a conference like CES or any of these guys, it's it's too late because by that time they've got a prototype, they've got something they're showing and competition comes in and you, you don't have the first mover advantage, you don't have the ability to pioneer or uh, anything like that because it's it becomes public, right? right. And so... The way that we can source a lot of this, we, we, we get inspiration that way, you know, so walking the show floors and, and seeing what people are doing kind of stimulates other ideas, capabilities, whatnot. So I think it's, it's invaluable for that aspect of, of the ideation process. Uh, but from a, from a pure tech uh, innovation side of things, and I shouldn't, I mean, innovation means you're, you're, you're improving on something that already exists. So it's, so innovation sometimes is the right word to use, but sometimes it is it's disruption. It's it's changing how you use something totally and, and putting other things to to bed because they're no longer relevant. Right. Uh, so we like to look for disruptive technologies too, like everybody else, and because that's going to give you that that solid hit and that ability to you know own a space uh, from a. Uh, ideation perspective and just from a, a market capital perspective so to get there you need to have relationships with uh, companies that are typically spending a lot of a lot of R&D uh, in in areas that uh, are not competitive to you so you know for us to be working with an Intel or a Qualcomm or a, you know any of these chip manufacturers sure. mm-hmm. they're not in the business to sell shoes and shirts and, and stuff that we do wearables I mean Intel is from a wearables perspective and it, you know, but you get the idea. I mean, sure. they're they're out crank. You know, they're trying to figure out how to create the next whatever, and they're looking for applications. They're looking for re- you know capabilities and features. Right. And we come alongside as a brand and say, hey, we're you know let's brainstorm. Let's figure this out. And sometimes they have things that are hidden in the closet that they haven't told anybody, or you know, or they might have something that was specifically for 
medical industry or, 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 or you know, some other application. Yeah. And we just we just pivot it. It's like going to see it's like going to see like, like those cartoonish mad inventors when you go. No, say, totally. Like, What's it? I'll put that down. Like it's yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like saying, what does this do? Oops. There goes the air. Uh, no, it's, you know, I think it sounds like one very important skill set you have is curiosity. Yes. Right? Like you're curious about multiple points of the development process, but also the consumer interaction. Can you just talk about like how important that curiosity is to what you do or just like, people in your sort of uh, sphere? Yeah, it's like, I mean, this is, this is a great, uh, it's a good question because uh, I think we as adults, we kind of, we, we think we have to grow up. And we go through this process where, what does it mean to be a grown-up? You know, is it is it the way you, you know, all of a sudden the way you talk, you you, you the way you hold your your liquor, or you know, all these different things you're thinking that you're going to be growing up from a boy to a man, and uh, and and we oh, we can't be silly. You know, it's all of a sudden you're you're not making jokes with your with your friends anymore. It's uh, hey, this is serious. I mean, you know, I've got I, you know, I've got I've got a wife and kids and this that and the other bills. Bills. I mean, all these things. Yeah, Bill, Every, like everybody. Uh, everything. Stop joking. Yeah, it, it just takes the. It takes some of the. You know, life. Life can, if you allow it, can take the the joy out of life. Right. It can just take the fun out of it. I should say not. You know. It's, and so. No, think, but that's interesting. But that's a good quote. Life can take the joy out of life. Can. Right. It can if right. you allow it. And so, uh, what's important is to keep a like a childlike faith in in miracles. You know. And uh, the ability to see the unseen, you know, always questioning what you see, you know, so it's part curiosity. It's also part allowing yourself to view uh, solutions to problems without them being put in a box. And it's the box that gets everybody wrapped around the axle. Everybody wants to see a box and then play inside the box Mm -hmm. uh, when they get older. Right. So if they still had that childlike faith or that faith in the ability to do anything, then then that's when miracles happen. Fuck a box. That's whatever. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Get rid of the box. Yeah. Because that's that would be the it, you innovators out there, you know, you probably know what I'm talking about. But you you know, if if you are still having trouble with the box, get rid of it. Yeah. It's not needed. It's it's holding you back. Uh no, yeah, it's you know, it's kind of like getting back to this idea of playing, right? Like, you it's just, totally you have to pull. It's I'm, I'm, a weird metaphor just came, but it's like playing with your food, right? Like, yes, you need to eat it, and it's going to sustain you, and it's mm-hmm. important for you to have it. But like, have fun with it in the process, and you never know what that end result is going to be. It's you know, if you if you're just so buttoned up and constantly focused on that end result or these. Stakeholders, and I think you're in a you're in a luckier position than even most people that have jobs within an innovation practice, right? Because you don't have like very hard KPIs, mm-hmm. right? Um, but but it is it you know that that but even with that constraint, you still have to keep that play playful like mentality and curiosity about that. I mean, I I put on myself, and I didn't make it last year. I said invent some invent a new sport. Think about that. <laughs> That was that's one of my targets I had last year. I didn't do it, but that's okay. Right. It was a goal. It was a big goal, and uh, I, I'm not going to do it this year. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to have something else. But I, you need to put things like a, like a so it's not a KPI I'm getting measured at from a brand perspective. It might affect you know my bonus structure and stuff like that. Right. But that's something that's just me, you know. And so you really want to challenge yourself in in that regard uh, uh, because if if you're just going yeah having having huge problems to solve is important. Uh, because it really gets you thinking. 
And I was thinking about um, going back to the, you know, thinking like a, you know, not, not thinking always like an adult, having fun with play. I mean, my daughter and I have a language of our own that we speak when we're together. I mean, I, we do stuff that I never did with my dad, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, just goofy things uh, that we do. And in the car, we'd sing real loud and roll the, you know, just, I just love to be a kid with her. Yeah. And, uh, but I think the generation before me, that was, they were more staid, more, you know, they were more, uh, conservative in their approach for child rearing. And, uh, and I think, you know, you as parents out there too, uh, just have fun, you know, and the best way to have fun and get back to your inner child is play with your kids and see the world through their eyes. And you'd be surprised at the innovation that can come out of that. Yeah. And it's funny to say that I think, I hit a point, I don't know, let's call it 10 years ago, where I was like, I was mad all the time, right? I was just, because I wasn't where I wanted to be, and I was, but also, like, I have a 10-year-old daughter, and so it was also, like, especially when they're infants, right, mm-hmm. you go, um, uh, you, you, that's another point of pressure. I think kids get fun right around, like, two to five, right? Like, that's when, mm-hmm. when they start, especially for guys, right? You're like, oh, now I can actually roughhouse you a little bit and that the, then the play comes out and you start to get in the habit of doing that and for me it was also doing homework right it was mm-hmm. like helping with homework and I'm like oh, I remember this and like it just like it starts to bring back this sort of nostalgic feeling but what I challenge you like in terms of that advice and just I challenge myself as well is like what advice do you give to somebody who doesn't have children right like how do you mm-hmm. get back to that point that point of play and natural curiosity about things i think there's plenty of programs in every city in this country where they need mentors if if i mean talk about a great service project i mean we're kind of dovetailing into that a little bit Mm -hmm. but there there are kids out there that don't have dads that don't have moms and Mm -hmm. if you wanted to get back into being a kid Go find one that you can adopt. I mean, not yeah. adopt into your house necessarily, but just adopt and put time into. But don't park your car mysteriously outside <laughs> of a uh, park. That's right. No. That's, <laughs> kind of go through a boys or girls <laughs> club or something, you know, something like that. <laughs> but, you know, and if you have nephews, I mean, you know, you will find, there's, there's ways you can find yeah. to get back into that. And, well, just get back there. It's like, you know, it's, it's like sometimes it's, it's hard, it becomes hard for us to like, look back and see even accomplishments or those happy moments and like mm-hmm. hold on to those versus like oh this has been a shit show or like whatever the problems you've been facing yeah. go coach a team go coach real a team. simple yeah. I mean if you played a sport in high school or college go go coach that sport you yeah. know have fun I mean don't be spending all your time sitting behind a desk <laughs> <laughs> um, you go on trend walks yes uh, what are those so trend walks uh, are when we will we'll just kind of spot an area, uh, like for instance in New York City or in Venice Beach, uh, we'll, we'll identify certain uh, storefronts that we'd like to go in and kind of walk through, feel the, the, you know, feel the, uh, the materials that are being used in that store, understanding the layout that they've done, any kind of or I mean, it's kind of, it sounds kind of funky, but it's, it's really, each store is so unique and different. I know they're all trying to sell product and stuff, but if you strip away the you know, the salesmanship and all that stuff and just trying to get into uh, what's happening. You can pick up, you can pick up trends, what colors, what anything is going on. You're, it's, it's a, you know, how to display something in a way that's appealing, but more so just how do you feel? How does something make you feel? And, and you learn by looking and sensing and, and in talking about it with the people that are on the trend walk with you saying, Hey, what'd you think about that store? Did you like the way they used that darker wood in the, on the, on the floor? Did it, did it feel like it was inviting? Did you feel like, you know, that you wanted to stay there and, 
and uh, everything you had on the shelf you wanted to buy, or was there, or was it, you know, the point where it's like oh, this, this feels too corporate, this feels too whatever, but it's it's just having those kind of conversations, and and during the course of the trim walk, when you're walking from store to store, you're also looking at the people on the street. You're looking down at their feet because we're a shoe company. You're looking at what they're wearing. Uh, you're just looking at life. You're looking at they have to do this in, in safe neighborhoods, though. Whatever. Just be walking around. Yeah. You know. Are people still skating? South Central. No. Looking at people's shoes. No, no. Yeah, no, don't be doing that. <laughs> so, uh, no, but if uh, you know, if, if people are still skateboarding, how are they skateboarding? Are they playing hoops on the neighborhood basketball court? I mean, you pick up so much stuff if you just if you're just observing. I think we as we as a as a society as we get old especially as we as we have these mobile phones in our hands we're so looking down at the phone while we're walking we're you know we're a we're going to run into anything but more importantly we're missing out on everything around us and so trend walks are very much a low tech analog way of getting into communities and checking out what's going on right. both you know storefront side as well as the demographic that lives there i mean it's just it's just a great, great All way to... All walks of culture, like whatever. Totally. Like, you know. Everything. Um, do you ever look at Humans of New York? No, what is it? Oh, man, you will love this. So, Humans of New York, uh, and anybody else who's listening, like, please check it out. Uh, Humans of New York is like an Instagram slash blog. This guy walks around New York, takes photos, gets a quote, and a lot of times it's like a profile of somebody in like a really quirky outfit, or a street artist, or just like, just people. Like, it's not even... You know, there's no real thread other than that, like, every person has a story, and it's just like a three or, you know, maybe a two or three long, uh, two or three sentence long statement that comes along with the photo, mm-hmm. and you move on to the next one. But it's they, it becomes so interesting to see, like, how different the world is, right, when, you know, or how different individuals are within the world, even in just New York. And you, you're not even going very far. Right. <laughs> one city block, and you've... Probably hit every culture, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, how did this all happen for you? Like, where you, you know, this isn't. You don't go to school for this, right? Yeah. Like, you know, how did this when you were eighteen, nineteen? I don't know if you envisioned this as a as a, uh, a position you play in life. Not at all. I mean, I, I, uh, my background's computer science, so I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, commanding the computer to do my will. <laughs> Uh, building applications and whatnot in the early days, uh, not apps for phones, applications that would run on PCs and 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 when whatnot, uh, actually in mainframes at the point at, at my earliest days. But um, it wasn't until uh, you know having worked at several startups, I mean like five or six startups, I kind of you know if you're in the startup phase, you kind of do you end up doing almost every one of the disciplines within a company at some point in time. You, you might play marketing in one, you, you might do business development, you might do strategic partnerships, you might do uh, software development, you might be the CTO, you might be the CEO, uh, and you kind of survey all that stuff, and a uh, product manager, and you figure out, okay, you, you slowly start to gather all the acumen needed mm-hmm. to really start to apply towards uh, what, how you can innovate. And it's kind of like a... Uh, and I'm not saying that everybody that, that innovates has to have all those disciplines or has to have been in those, you know, wearing those shoes. But it really helped me. It helped me uh, to see, wow, okay, uh, ideas are a dime a dozen. Uh, but a good idea executed well is what wins the day. And so how do you execute a, 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 an idea well? Well, you need to understand 
you know, uh, how is it going to disrupt? How is it going to be different, the differentiator? So you get into product marketing, you get into researching, you know, your competitors, you get competitive analysis, all this kind of stuff. So in your mind, you're kind of playing all these games. Every When I'm looking at stuff and I see something of interest, I slowly go to a grid where, have I seen this before? Where have I seen it? What can it do? Uh, what if I made it smaller? What if I did this? What if uh-huh. I changed the color? And, and, and then, you know, all that, it's become almost like an athlete where, when when you pitch a ball to an athlete, I was looking at um, it was actually it was the, the example was golf. For one of the sessions we did at South by not we that I attended in South by, they showed the brain of a professional golfer playing uh, doing a swing of golf, and then they showed the brain of, uh, of of a novice player playing golf doing the same swing a tee. Novice player brain activity. They had this little skull cap thing on with a bunch of electrodes and everything. Showed all this activity going on in the brain right. when the guy was just going to swing and, and, and uh, you know tee off. Uh, the professional golfer, this one little light lit up in his head, and that was it. <laughs> wow. Everything else was motor memory. Everything else was it was so focused, so everything else that he was in, and you right. know it's like that's what you need. Yeah. You need something analogous to that, where you've got so many things going on that are on automatic in your head, mm. and all you do is you you cherry pick the things that kind of bubble up to the top. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's there's a book that I love. Charles Duhigg wrote, which I, we tried to get him on the show. You'll come, Charles, won't you? Uh, <laughs> but it's called The Power of Habit, mm. and one of the anecdotes he writes about is Michael Phelps' trainer, who basically yells to him, "Play the tape," before mm. any time he gets yeah. in the water, and it's just like he's. He's, his body has like is on autopilot like it's just pushing putting in push play and it's the same thing every time and um, and the the longer version of the story kind of goes into like it sets this sets up this anticipation where he dives in his you know next thing he knows there's his eyes are filled or his goggles are filled with water and you know he's four more laps to go and so on and so forth and he can't see anything and then he comes back and he was just focused on the tape touches the wall looks up world record right and, it, and it's kind of like it's, it's that exact thing you talk like most of us had we got in the water and the guy was like oh like you go through this long list of things you're wondering about man mm-hmm. but you but you know you've done it so many times that it should be you know come come very second nature yeah um no this is this is great I, you know um i was just going to ask as far as you as a parent mm. right like how you you know you talked a little bit about instilling the sense of play you know we, we talked earlier about your daughter who's a, a photographer uh, so I forgot how you how you worded it. Just, uh, she's a yeah, she's a humanitarian. Humanitarian, yes. Yes. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, you know, and how did you go about instilling some of the? Because obviously, as a photographer, especially observing human culture mm-hmm. all over the world, and as you put it, kind of giving voice to the voiceless through photography. You know, was that a deliberate thing that you tried to instill in her as a as a parent? Yeah, we, my wife and I, uh, we have three daughters, uh, twenty six, twenty four, and and thirteen. So we had a ten year surprise, um, and uh, we because the two daughters, it was some party, two, huh? Yes, it was. The two, the two <laughs> younger ones were only two years apart, right? And right. and they actually saw uh, their parents go through um, you know a really exciting time when we did the startup right uh and and the 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 ability to uh, uh just be an entrepreneur and just be able to think outside the box and do all these things they they were watching everything we didn't know that i mean it wasn't necessarily planned that we were saying hey we're going to teach you know uh um, entrepreneurship 101 today and yeah. here's what you're going to learn 
but we would bring I would come home and we'd sit around the dinner table and it's very it was so important at that point in time to to get around the dinner table and and not just eat and leave but eat and talk and we would talk about the day we would talk about the problems we'd talk about any of the things because I I really valued their opinions I wanted them to understand the conversations I was having with my wife who also ran and I wanted a women's perspective on a lot of our stuff so I, you know I'm doing my own little market research with my wife uh, at the dinner table sometimes and and asking, you know, how, how's it going? What do you think about this idea, et cetera? Uh, and we, and we also homeschooled our kids. So we actually spent a lot of energy allowing them to focus on their skill sets earlier on. Uh, whereas if you're in a traditional school setting, our daughter had her own, her, her first business when she was 16, had her own photography business. Now my wife was involved to help, you know, manage money and some other things, but she had her first business at 16. Oh wow! And uh, and she, you know, had a passion for learning at that point, uh, and not learning, but uh, uh, growing in that specific field. So we kept on encouraging it, and we gave, you know, we we'd buy her cameras, we would give her art, and we'd give her photography classes, we would do things, send her in areas where she can go learn or, or see beauty that she could take pictures of. Um, so she she kind of launched herself, but she we gave her the tools to sure. do it, and we enabled it uh, so that she wasn't trying to cram it in between homework after she got back from school at three to six. You know, when we gave her the hey, if there's a great it's a great day today, go out right. and take some photos. You know, it's like lifestyle as an education. Yeah, right? totally. It's, it's like, Same thing with our second daughter. Yeah. So our second daughter is in San Diego, and she's you know she's an artist, and she paints. She, she's self taught in painting. Uh, she's she's a uh, do-it-yourself kind of person. She runs her own little blog on on do-it-yourself projects. Uh, other people come in and kick in and and give ideas about do-it-yourself stuff. So she's she's got a little sustainable business, but she also she's got like three or four jobs actually. So she kind of walks around. You know. So it's, but she has that entrepreneur spirit. She, right. she knows she can do it. She's a virtual you know assistant for a couple of uh, folks and helps uh, do uh, ghost uh, ghost writing for a couple of blogs. So. Uh, really crazy skill sets that both these very diverse, very different, uh, but yet both have the desire and they are both uh, they both have the confidence to uh, to do what they're doing. That's awesome. Um, uh, so the show is called Innovation Crush. Uh, what do you see out in the world, you know, within your own field or elsewhere um, that you are crushing on? Like where you where you look and go like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I love this trend or this thing or Whatever, maybe. Yeah, I think right now, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of buzz around uh, wearable, uh, around fitness wearables in particular, and uh, to break through that noise, there needs to be a disruption in, in that space. And we're working on some things that I think are going to be disruptive, in, uh, disruptive in this space. Things that are going to change and motivate people to be well, not just for themselves, but for the rest of the world. And so. Um, there's going to be an impact, right? So there's, it's thinking outside of yourself uh, and establish, obviously, establishing good, healthy habits. But that alone is is proven not to be enough. So I think there's going to be some other elements that are going to help disrupt this space, and uh, hopefully we'll get it right. So, so we'll see. My the three burritos I ate today I probably shouldn't have done that. Uh, well, it depends on how much you work out. <laughs> I mean, if you burn 10,000 calories today, well, of course. I, I'm sure they burn in me. Uh, no, it, 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 there, there is a social responsibility in your own personal wellness. Like, it's a, and, and people don't realize that. I, oh, my there, gosh. There was a talk I heard um, where a woman said, 
you know, your health and your wellness isn't about you. It's about being there for the people who care about you, right? Like you want to, you know, nobody wants a dead dad at 40, 48, right? Like, My daughters have told me that over and over again. When I, cause I, I, I recently lost 20 pounds. So, oh, wow. yeah, so it's a, and they said, Hey dad, we want you to be around longer. And that was enough motivation that, that motivated me. Done. Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh okay. And, but it did take him a while to, to, for me to finally get my button gear and go do something about it. Yeah, but, but, it, but it, once you realize it's kind of like, oh, I'm just going to go have this ice cream and I'm fine. Or, you know, or just making that a choice to shift and adjust. Right. Like a lifestyle. But realizing that it's easy to say no to it when it's on us. Right? But think about this. Uh, people have to get older, or not even older, people that are, are uh, having issues with obesity or other problems, and they're in the hospital a lot more for diabetes and other issues. What's happening also is that's taking up uh, bed space yeah. for people that might have just gotten into a, an incredible, you know, horrific accident or some other problem. So it, it's taxing our ability to yeah. treat uh, and it's actually raising insurance co- uh, costs across the board. So the, people know that. I think if people sat and thought about that a little bit, maybe that would change, uh, you know, behaviors. But that's real. Those are real. Yeah. You know, real. I'm not making these numbers. I didn't tell you any numbers, but it's real trends. Insurance prices are going up because people aren't taking care of themselves. So um, hopefully, there's going to be something that comes out that people are going to think more about the, the impact that they're having in the world and yeah. the way that they take care of their body. Yeah. All you can eat doesn't necessarily have to be exactly that um then uh last but not least um complete this phrase for me yeah innovation to me is uh well i told you what the definition of innovation was but innovation to me is is taking something uh and making it better that's great um, how can people find you? Where are you? What's your Twitter, J O N W. Yeah, let me give you all that data. <laughs> sure. Yeah, come knocking on my door. The GPS tracker you got on your phone. Let's just lock in the bones in motion. Yeah, I do have a I do I do have a Wi-Fi enabled doorbell that has an HD camera built in. So if you do come ring the door, I'm going to be able to tell you from wherever I am in the world that you're not going to try to get in. <laughs> Trap door. That's where trapdoors yeah. come in. Next innovation. J O N Werner W E R N E R at Adidas.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. This has been great. Uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate the, <laughs> the opportunity to do this. So, everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and uh, I will talk to you next time. Thanks. Bye. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. 
Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.